0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Edith Eger, a Holocaust survivor, world-renowned psychologist, and best-selling author, and truly incredible and inspiring woman. This is one of the most important podcasts I've done. Dr. Edith Eger was only 16 when she was thrown in a concentration camp, spending eight months starved, tortured, beaten and humiliated by Nazis. She credits her survival to her mother's parting words. No one can take away from you what you put in your mind. Dr. Eger's absolute truth is that she is a survivor who never allowed herself to be a victim or a prisoner of her own mind. She calls Auschwitz an opportunity, like everything else in life, everything has to do with the fact that the way we think, that's what we create. This is an incredible story. But before we begin this episode, I'd love to ask you to take a few minutes right now and subscribe to my podcast. It would mean the world to me. And keep sharing your favorite episodes and key takeaways with friends and your family and on social media. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, available on Amazon, Target, wherever books are sold. And now, on to today's episode. Dr. Eger, my goodness, this is one of the most special days of my life to be able to interview you. I've been looking forward to this. You're an incredible icon. You're someone that I really look up to. I have just already learned, I have learned so much from you. And when I'm your age, I hope I look as beautiful as what you do. You're beautiful inside and out. And I'm just want to honor you for what you have done and your life's work. And I know an hour is not enough time or even 50 hours is not enough time. But I just want to say thank you for everything you You've done and thank you for being willing to share your story with my listeners and viewers because I know they're going to benefit incredibly. So, welcome and thank you.
0: I thank you. Love is really time, four letter word T I M E time, and that is wonderful. And you and I give people choices how will they feel when they are in their deathbed and not asking you know, what the world has given me or how to not play the victim, victim card.
1: Incredible, that's incredible. I love that, and that's so true. We don't have to play the victim card, and there's so many things around what you've just said that I would love to unpack. But one of the first things that I wanted to say, my first question is that I actually don't even know how to ask this question, but I've been working in the field of mental health for 38 years, been doing research for 38 years on mind and brain. I would have thought that I grew up in apartheid South Africa and dealing with very traumatic war zones and everything. I I thought that I had seen a lot. Then I went to Auschwitz. And I visited and spent the day there having a private tour. And I don't even know how to verbalize the profound feelings that I experienced, but it comes nothing close to what you went through and how you've then taken that and turned that around into helping so many people. So I actually want to ask you, how would you like me to ask you about Auschwitz and your experience as a 16-year-old going into a concentration camp? I mean, as I said, I walked around there and It was devastating, and I'm still devastated two years later, yet you went through it.
0: We never forget, I never forget where I was and what happened. And today I speak what I lived. And thank God I'm able to tell you that I was a 16-year-old in love, and my boyfriend told me I have beautiful eyes and beautiful hands. And in Auschwitz, I would go to you, everyone, tell me about my eyes, tell me about my hands. Because I said to myself, if I survive today, then tomorrow, I'm going to see my boyfriend. Even though I was told every day, I'm never going to get out of here alive. So today, you and I guide people. It's not what happens, it's the way you view it. So I use a word that is meaningful to me, that Auschwitz was an opportunity, Mm. for an opportunity, not to recover, but to discover that life is from inside out. That if you waited for someone else to make you happy or liberate you, you didn't make it. That I live in a present. I can only touch you now. That guilt is in the past, worry is in the future. So Auschwitz to me was a time when I was guided because when people ask where was God in Auschwitz, I say God was with me and was able to guide me to see hatred as pity. And I decided that they were the prisoners, mm-hmm. not me. And wow. look at me, I'm here to tell you about it, that I couldn't change the outside. I i, I could not change anything externally. I didn't know four o'clock in the morning where they're going to put me in a gas chamber. I didn't know when I took a shower whether gas or water is coming out. And that's why the COVID is so difficult for people because it was unexpected and unanticipated. Mm -hmm. And we were told one thing and we found another. Auschwitz was a schoolroom and each of us had to take care of each other because if you were just for the me, 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 you didn't make it. So that's, that's why I like to bring the there and then to the here and now. That we create our own Auschwitz in our own mind and the key is in our pocket. That's incredible for you to be able to,
1: trans, to reconceptualize that experience from being because you talk a lot about it being a survivor and not a victim. You know, you've reconceptualized the whole picture and you've reconceptualized the whole experience, as horrific as it was. And that's so key, as you say, it's the key in your pocket, that reconceptualization.
0: This is a good time to look at COVID as timeout. You know, you are from Texas, and you have the Cowboys, and and timeout is in football, and people take time out to regroup, to redecide. So it is a good time for people to think about their thinking and also pay attention what they're paying attention to. It's very important what you focus on because anything you pay attention to, you reinforce that behavior, what you really want to extinguish. So that's why I ask people to think about your thinking and pay attention what you're paying attention to.
1: I absolutely love that. I've spent my whole career studying how the mind and the brain change as you are paying attention to something. Whatever you think about the most will grow. And
0: it's determining your next reality. By the way, nothing is original, because there was a philosopher called Epictetus, and Epictetus said, which is the whole beginning of therapy that I use very often as an adjunct, I do a lot of insight as well, Mm -hmm. but I think he said to us, and I quote, it's not what happens makes you feel the way you feel, but the way you view it. Now, that mm. is the, really the key. It's not what happens, it's the way you view it. And mm. you and I are good ophthalmologists because we guide people to TV. look everything as an opportunity to discover the strength, to discover how everything is temporary. And I can say... I don't like it, it's inconvenient, uh, and it's temporary, and I can survive it, rather than yes, but, yes, but. So I ask people, give me the but, and I give you an and. Yes, and. Uh. It's life difficult. Look up your birth certificate. Life it doesn't have a guarantee. It's not easy. Okay, there is no guarantee, no certainty, but there is probability. Oh gosh, you're speaking some of my favorite words. The way you think, that's how you're going to feel.
1: Mm, there is probability. Just talk a little bit more about that. That is profound that you said that word. You, Yeah, there's probability. That's something that a probability mindset is something that I speak about a lot. So please go ahead. I love, I love what you're saying.
0: I like to say just one word that really kept me alive. Curiosity. Mm. I always wanted to know what's going to happen next. Wow. So when I work with people who are suicidal, I say you either have something what you don't want, or you want something what you don't have. Mm. So what do you do? You think about a Jewish boy whose name was Jesus, and he told us, love thy neighbor as thyself, that you get up in the morning in Texas and you look in the mirror and say, I love me. And it's not narcissistic because you cannot give to others what you don't give to you. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we're born alone, we die alone. There is something between birth and death called life. So when people ask me, where was God in Auschwitz? And I say, God was with me, guiding me to look at the guards that they were the prisoners, not me. And the hatred became pity. Feeling sorry for the guards that they were brainwashed to telling me that I am poison to society, to telling me that I, the only way I will get out of as a corpse. So you cannot change another person's thinking or feeling, but you can certainly recognize that you can differentiate between responding or reacting. Because when you react, you don't think. Automatic. So I ask people to see the movie called The Karate Kid, because the brain Love power it. is mm-hmm. the best power. Remember? and not cleaning. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Patience, patience. Patience,
1: patience. And in this society today, people want a quick fix, don't they? They want the quick fix. They want to suppress. They want the, anything to get away from experiencing those, those
0: life experiences. And not only they want it easy, they want it now. Yes, They don't want to wait for anything instantly. I want it now, and I want it easy. That's a kid. That's a child. So I I differentiate between being childish or being childlike. Mm, I love how you
1: do that. Please talk about that more. That is incredibly brilliant.
0: If you ask a child, why do you do that? And the child would say, because I feel like it. Now, as an adult, I still feel like it, but I don't act upon it unless it is in my best interest. You Mm -hmm. see, the kid doesn't care about consequences. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat this chocolate cake because I feel like it. Even the doctor told me not to have sugar. So none of the positive thinking does any good unless it's followed with a positive action.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people today
1: will use a positive affirmation or something like that just to try and cover up all the work, but the, the issues. But if, however you're showing up in life is coming from what you've gone through and the perspective that you've developed, how you see it.
0: That is so true because I never ask patients, how can I help you? I say, how can I be useful to you? Oh. Because they just want to sit there Okay, just go and uh, fix me. If no. you don't want to do the work, you're not going to try on anything new because anything new is scary.
1: Yes. yes. We have the
0: fear of the unknown, so we keep going back, doing the same thing over and over again.
1: Because mm, there's that
0: familiarity. You you hold someone's hand and I do that we guide them to look at the same thing from a different angle. And that's what you and I do, show a different perspective. This is your opportunity. This is now you're locked in, went into the COVID. We cannot really change the outside, but I can change the way I look at it as time out for me, whether I like the person I live with, whether I'm capable of having adult relationship rather than being a mother or a child to my spouse. It's a wonderful time-out period. It's not what happens, it's what you do with it. Oh, That's so powerful. And you've shown that. the time
1: doesn't heal. Oh, I'm so glad you and said I... that. That's so good. Please elaborate on that. That's brilliant. Please elaborate on time doesn't heal. Please talk more about that.
0: If you are willing, if you're willing to feel the feelings, you're going to go through a journey of grieving, feeling, and healing. Mm -hmm. You cannot heal what you don't feel. So don't medicate grief. It's not an illness Mm -hmm. because what comes out of your body doesn't make you ill. Mm. So cry cry in a cry in the car you can scream bloody murder and get it out, get it out. What comes out to your body doesn't make you ill. What stays in there does. So good. It's like oh. a pus. You have to push it out, that pus, otherwise it can poison my whole
1: body mm. and that philosophy has been forgotten in this modern day and age because of you know the advances of technology and medicine which are wonderful but it's made everyone want the quick fix they just want give me the band-aid, you know just give me the give me the the you know sup- way to suppress it and instead of working through it, it, it to to heal it gets worse it's the surgery you've got to get cut up to get healed and that's what we've and it's and we get through it as you said you've got to feel it to heal it the only way out is through
0: yeah you cannot hear what you don't feel and it's not an overnight process Mm-mm. it's really i am i'm getting triggers all the time i was watching a wonderful movie it's called the miracle worker many many years ago it's the life of helen keller oh yes do you remember her? yes yes She's i deaf, do blind and and This wonderful woman is working with her, working with her. And one day they had dinner and they ran out of water. So she took a picture and took Helen and they go outside and they are going fetching water. And this is the first time after all this time they were working together, she began to talk and said water that took a long time and that triggered in me that when I was liberated and I was put in a hospital and they put me in a cast and I could hardly talk because my lung was filled with water and that's when I realized that my parents are not coming back and i heard that my boyfriend was killed before so the reality hit me and i just wanted to die when i got up in the morning i didn't say what i would say what for mm. that's you know, that existential vacuum that victor frankl and i were yes. very much talking about that we, we never forget but we can realize that not forgetting and not fighting it and run from it, but to look at it as something that there was something in it. And that's my book The Gift for yes. someone when it is a practical book. So this is a practical book that the that the closer you are with the darkness, you're closer to suffering and suffering will be making you stronger. One
1: of the upsides from this recent pandemic is I get to do many of my interviews and much of my work in my pajamas. But the downside of working from home? I feel like now more than ever I am constantly looking at a screen and my eyes have been really straining, which has been causing so many headaches. If this sounds like a familiar struggle in your life, I've got the answer for you. Blue light blocking glasses from blue blocks. Blue light damages our eyes and leads to digital eye strain. Symptoms of digital eye strain are blurred vision, headaches and dry watery eyes. For some, this could even cause heightened anxiety, depression and low energy. Well, blue blocks was created to fix this problem and block out the blue light with high-quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, blue blocks are evidence-based and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. They have 40 hip frames and coming prescription, non-prescription and readers, so they have frames for every need. Blueblocks is also giving back by working in partnership with Restoring Vision in their Buy One Gift One campaign. For each pair of Blueblocks glasses purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. I also really love Blueblox's Remedy Sleep Mask, which uses the most sophisticated design methodology to create a comfortable, 100% light-blocking eye mask for improved REM and deep sleep. Get started today with your Blue Blocks glasses, and I promise it will change your life. And just for my listeners, get 15% off your order with the code DrLeaf and BlueBlocks.com. That's the code DrLeaf at B-L-U-B-L-O-X The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Have you felt unhappy, down or off lately? Or maybe just not entirely yourself? It would be easy to blame the news or bad things going on in the world. But believe it or not, your negative feelings could also actually be caused by gut problems. You see, serotonin is known as the happiness chemical and 90% of your serotonin is created in your gut. What does that mean? It means that if your gut health is off, then you're just not going to feel as happy and positive as you normally do. When you start taking care of your gut, you'll be amazed at how much better you feel. Here's how I recommend you do this. Start taking Cognibiotics, the breakthrough mood-enhancing formula made by BioOptimizers. This formula starts with a solid foundation of prebiotics and probiotics to support gut health and positive feelings in a safe and natural way. But it doesn't stop there. Cognibiotics also includes 17 powerful brain herbs to enhance mood, manage stress, and improve memory. If you think about it, Cognibiotics is almost like two supplements in one because of how it supports your mood and brain health through two different channels. Here's the best part. Cognibiotics comes with a full one-year guarantee. So I encourage you to try it risk-free and see for yourself how much better you feel. Simply go to cognibiotics.com forward slash DrLeaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 to receive 10% of any order. Again, it's cognibiotics.com dot com forward slash dr leaf the link and offer details will be in the show notes your books are incredible you've written the two books and the choice and the gift and you've got the 12 tips for helping people to understand how to process life, just kind of like how to get through life. And I know a lot of what you've been saying is encapsulated in that, but they're profoundly moving and life-changing and awe-inspiring and just so true. Every time I hear you or read you, your work, I think that's truth. That's wisdom. And if we learn to process that, we actually then can accept the pain and the suffering alongside the joy. And as you say, the what for? Suffering
0: is part of life. And some people are children who grow up very fast, like immigrants' children get parentaged. When I came to America in 1949, my little girl was two years old, and she went to a daycare Center, and there was a beautiful woman, a beautiful Christian woman, Mrs. Bowers, who took my child on And I didn't have to pay. I was very poor. I didn't have six dollars when I came Mm -hmm. to America. And then slowly she comes home and teaches me how to speak English. She brought a book. A book was Chicken Little and Ducky Lucky and Goosey Lucy. (laughs) Okay, picture, picture me listening to my daughter. Teaching me how to speak That's English. That's brilliant. But I didn't know, know Goosey Lucy from Turkey Lurkey. <laughs> I didn't know which. So children get parentized. And then she told me that in the place where she goes, she's eating two things that I never heard of peanut butter and tuna fish. I never saw in Hungary. Peanut butter, I don't know if they still ever have peanut butter in Hungary. Oh. I doubt it. But you see, so you kept yeah. to know two questions I usually like to ask. When did your childhood end? Mm. And many That's children profound. of immigrants become parents to the children. Mm. Or maybe you have a father who's alcoholic and the mother takes you and and tells you go 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 find father somewhere in a bar, or mother maybe is ill. Mm-hmm. She never gets because she has migraine headache. So I think it's very important to use COVID as time out, and see when you did your childhood end. And then the second question mm-hmm. is, would you like to be married to you, Caroline? Oh, wow. By the way, were you named after the Kennedy, (laughs) Caroline? No, I don't think so. My mother
1: named me after some, my mom's Irish, so she named me after someone that she, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So I'm Irish Italian background, born in Zimbabwe, grew up in South Africa, live in America, married to a Swiss, so I don't quite know a good mixture.
0: (laughs) I call you a Renaissance woman. There you go. I like that. Thank you, my book. I'll send you my book, and I'm going to call you a renaissance woman. Oh, that's beautiful. and,
1: and I'm going to yes. send you. I'm going to send you my book, and it's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And it's flipped around cleaning up your mental mess. And it's basically, I mean, it's it's the science behind how we think, feel, and choose, and build thoughts in our brain, and how our mind changes our brain and influences our life. It's the science behind what you're teaching so profoundly and brilliantly. So I'd love to send you a copy, and and just if you ever want to read it. But your your, your lessons that you're teaching, and that question, like that second question now, where you say. Well, would I like to be married to me? That's such a good question. So how do you answer that?
0: I like to really say that because in my generation, a boy gets very different messages. Yes. You're going to be the lawyer yes. or the doctor and so on. But you tell the little girl, you're going to find somebody because you're, you're nobody until somebody loves you. I am a somebody. You see, it's a very different message that I have to grow up to be like a fruit, and then somebody is going to pick me. (laughs) And that's that's not anymore. No. Because the pirate woman in America worked alongside with her husband. Absolutely, yeah. They were in a modern marriage. They both got up. They both went to work. And and this is really what we want. little girl to become independent emotionally and financially before she gets married mm, that's so I important to stay in school yeah yeah oh, that's because really the important more, the more papers you pick up in america the more choices you have more mm. doors open up for mm-hmm. you mm. oh absolutely and that's so vitally important
1: but that's then also let's bring that back to your profound insight into the concept of choice you very big on choice and I love to hear you talk about that because I always talk about how our mind is how we think and feel and choose and we're always doing that and how and you talk about responding versus reacting and you talk about how it's in our mind and we've so I'd love you to just talk a little bit about choice and I'd love you to relate that back to your experience as well in Auschwitz and how you as a 16 year old You know, how did you see choice in your life at that point and how do you see it
0: now and and the the change and the growth? You know, I look at Auschwitz and all I could think of that Auschwitz was hell. Mm. And I'm going to tell you the difference between reacting because Hans Selye got the Nobel Prize for stress studies. Yes. And he said, when anything stressful happens to us, we have two automatic responses, we fight or flee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In Auschwitz, that didn't work because yeah. if you touch the guards, they were shot right away, right in front of me, so I knew not what to do, what, what not to do. Mm. If you wanted to be. And if you touched the barbed wires, you would have been electrocuted. Mm-hmm. So I learned to flow the third alternative, to study, to study the external circumstance. And what can I do that I can do? I cannot change the externals. They could have put me in, a, unfortunately, the gas chamber any minute. When I took a shower, I didn't know whether water or gas is going to come out. So I learned that it's up to me how I am able to turn hatred into pity and starting to feel sorry for the guards. And somehow I looked at that uniform and I felt so sorry for them that they were brainwashed because children were spitting at us when we were evacuated mm-hmm. and children were calling us pigs and 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 crying. I was crying, thinking, these children are brainwashed. You see, we, we're not born to hate no. and judge. No. We learn it. Yes. It's a learned so response. Your self dialog is so important. You get up in the morning and you say, Carolyn and, and I love you. And I'm going to release really do so much good because life is just one day, the morning sunshine doesn't come back, and every moment is precious, and we don't seem to appreciate what we have until mm-hmm. we lose it. Oh. So I have a hard time throwing away food, even though my daughter tells me, it's okay to leave food on your plate, Mom. Oh. <laughs> I'm I still going to eat your food or take it home. I don't wanna throw out even a piece of bread ever. Oh,
1: I can imagine that because that's significant of what you had gone through. So all these traumas that you that you've gone through. So what I'm hearing you say, your choices came from the inside out. You turned the hatred into the pity you turned you saw differently you lived for every moment you woke up in the morning thinking okay I'm I can if I lived if I can get through today I can I can see tomorrow so you were making internal choices because you couldn't control the external so your survival came from very much going inward and then also you said connecting with others you talked about how you connect with others and you talk about one story of they asked you to dance and you did this beautiful dance and you had all you were a gymnast and you could do all these beautiful dances and you realize that if you didn't dance they were going to they would they would maybe have shot you or whatever and then they gave you some bread and you shared the bread and then you speak about being in community so you you, you have two profound things it's the me in community and it's also the the internal choice of me of the, of looking at things differently in a different perspective and it was all coming from inside talk about that
0: talk about that it's profound you're so present thank you thank you. Because he came to the barracks and he wanted to know who are the newcomers who are talented because he wanted to be entertained. So my friends just threw me in front of him because I was the one who danced for the president in Hungary, wow. Horty, Admiral Horthy. And so, and he said to me, Dance for me, dance for me. And I realized that. I better do as I am told. And I closed my eyes, and I pretended that the music was Tchaikovsky, and I was dancing the Romeo and Juliet Mm. in a Budapest So you Mm. see, when a woman calls me and makes an appointment, I became a diplomat in sexology. Long, long time ago, working with someone called Albert Ellis in cognitive psychology. Someone was sent to me by the judge, and he was 14 years old, and he told me, I am a boot boy. It was in Texas. Mm. Okay? So I mm-hmm. acknowledged his boots, and I know nothing about boots for sure. Okay? Okay. And then he got up and he put his elbow on my desk and said the following, and I quote, Hey, Doc, it's time for America to be white again. Oh, I remember the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. Imagine how I felt in January 6th this year when they were wearing a shirt. Six million was not enough. You can imagine how I felt. So let me go back. And he says to me, Hey, Doc, America has to be white again, Mm. and I'm going to kill all the Jews. And then use the N-word. I don't even want to say. And then Mexicans and the Chinkos. Now, if I would have reacted, I would have dragged him to the corner. I would have hold him and tell him who do you think you're talking to because I saw my mother go to the gas chamber but I knew that people are sent to me they don't come to me so I go to God and I say what do I do with this 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 guy who joined a white supremacy group in Waco Texas called David Koresh? Yeah you remember that? I do. I do. And guess what God tells me? Find the bigot in you. And I said to God, it's impossible. Wow. It's impossible. I'm not the bigot. I had Nazi Germany. I had communist Russia. I came to America, and I went to the bathroom in the factory where I did the piecework, and one of them said colored. So... Love is not what you feel, is what you do. I gathered the women of color. I asked them to take me to a meeting, to ANCP. And, and in 1963, I was part of the time when I sang mm. with Martin Luther King, Washington. With the mamas and the papas, we shall overcome. And Mm -hmm. so, love is not what you feel, it's what you do. do. So, if if you're married, I don't know, but if you are married, children don't do what we say. They do what what we do. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. I've got four children, I agree with it. It's the way your teachers the children's mother, and that's you. So Mm. I really love to talk to couples because the best thing for children is a happy marriage. Oh, absolutely.
1: That What you've just said there is profound. And I've heard you tell that story of marching with Martin Luther King and that and that young boy. I mean, it's just how you, you actually, the way you phrased it in the one, and I think it's in the one of your books where you phrased it, that you actually, he was trained to hate by the white supremacist David Koresh. He was trained to hate and how you could have reacted, but you didn't react that way. You responded. And in that response, you taught him a lesson. You'd, and he learned. He learned something new. So you would have had. A, you don't know what impact you had on him. But you. So you, what you show in that story is about the profoundness of taking the time to, like you say, even in COVID, is to really take stock, you know, and and see how, are you responding or are you reacting? And and, and like we wanted and to defend, yeah.
0: You know, I've been lecturing all over the world, so I'm not going to tell you where I was, but I was speaking to very successful people. And one of the persons told me that his mother is 71 years old and she's never seeing the grandchildren anymore because she's still angry at her mother who died when she was 16. And he assured me that mother cannot be helped because she had all the medications and nothing really happened. But would I be so kind to see the mother, even though he knows I can do nothing for mother. And I said, okay, just send her over. And I'm in a beautiful hotel, the best in the world. Okay, so I see this woman coming in. And she spoke a little bit with a Polish accent. And so I don't speak Polish, but I could relate to her. But I asked her a question Where is your mother buried? And I said it with the accent that I had, yeah. and she said in the cemetery, but not like I say it now in a different way. Though, yeah, because I learned to speak, meet people where they are, and so I I kind of looked up. I only had an hour. I said to her, "Your mother needs you now." This is called reframing, mm-hmm. and she looked at. No one ever heard that. My mother needs me. I said, yes, your mother needs you because no loving mother would ever want their children not to live a full life. Mm-hmm. So I want you to go to the cemetery. But I said it the way I needed to say yes. in her accent. And I want you to realize that she needs you So she can rest in peace Mm. and not on you are able to have a meaningful life and loving your children and grandchildren. I got letters from the family. I cannot tell you. Thanking me one hour. And all I did is change. Reframe, reconceptualize. That
1: what you said it's right in the really beginning, deep. how you view something. so how you view something completely determines the consequence, the outcome completely shifts thank the you. whole whole perspective. Just, the whole thing just shifts. That's incredible. This is why you'd say that you're a guide as opposed to being a therapist. You actually guide people, which I love thank you because, so much. Now, I love that because I agree with that. Because we can't fix anyone. All we can do is try and show them another perspective and try and help them to do the work and support them in that process.
0: If they're ready.
1: If they're ready. If they're
0: ready. Because every behavior satisfies the need. And some people. That's powerful. Some people have the need to be needed. So they always Mm. find someone. Who can who has the need to be taken care of? I had a woman who was about to marry her fifth alcoholic husband. Oh, do you goodness. think that's an expect.
1: Mm-mm. That's you definitely, do the
0: familiar. You yeah. do the familiar.
1: A disservice. hmm So that's a need to be every behavior is fulfilling some sort of need. So as a guide you would show someone what to identify that need. Is that how how you would approach it?
0: Well, I actually become very dumb. I put myself in a one dumb position. And pretty soon, I don't speak English well. I can get away with it, you see. So when I come to America, and I am with you, and I see a sign, choice. And I look at that person, could you help me? How do you understand that word, choice? And then I hear how that person is really viewing everything, whether it's visual, audio, or kinesthetic. Because one of my students told me that in America, people are hearing but not listening. And I said, well, let's test it out. Tomorrow morning, when you pick up your books, somebody is going to say hello to you. Yeah? And instead of usually what you say, I like you to say very quietly, My mother died this morning. Mm. Wait, I'll see you later. People are hearing and not, not listening. listening. That's why I ask people don't ask, Why, what, how are you? That's the stupidest thing you can ask. <laughs> They're going to say, Fine, fine. Yeah. Find everything. No, I rather say many times, never, how are you? I say, geez, good to see you. I missed you. I make a sentence because I create the environment that you can feel any feeling without the fear of being judged.
1: Mm.
0: So it's very important to know to set the atmosphere, Mm. and that's what you do. You create the atmosphere, but then it's up to them whether they are willing, that's a very good word, willing, to be willing to go through the pain Mm. and revisit the places where you've been and relive the experience. But you're not there, you're here with me. And that's the word with post-traumatic stress reaction. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, no pathologizing. We pathologize too much. Well, I agree so much.
1: Yeah, I agree. I love how you say we pathologize too much. And I wanted to transition to trauma, so let's carry on with this discussion of you know PTSD and how we shouldn't be labeling and trauma and pathologizing. Talk about trauma. Because and talk talk about your trauma in terms of how you got through it and how you've translated that into the experiences that you now help people as a guide and as you as you have for the last forty years, fifty years.
0: A trauma is very important because in some ways we hand things down from generation to generation. Absolutely. But we can stop it. And that is trauma that we must really acknowledge that in some ways we are victims of victim, but many people see victim as being weak and victimizers as being strong. So part of the psyche can identify with the aggressor, and that's what we call the Stockholm Syndrome. I was going to talk to you about that too, yeah. So this is what I learned when this girl's father was a big deal in America and had a castle here in California, the hurt castles. So the messages that we carry with us is so very important. Yeah. So very important. So that's why the victim can easily become yesterday's victims easily can become today's victimizers. So it's very important who carries carries that victim mentality, the victim's card, because you cannot be a victim without a victimizer. That
1: is so true. So, how do you speak yeah. into that? How do you help someone who has that, who is battling with trauma and there's this generational trauma and they've maybe gone through their own set of additional trauma growing up in early childhood or like yourself? I mean, you went through this terrible trauma of Auschwitz and for years you had flashbacks. And how did you deal with it yourself? And how did, do you, how have you helped? What advice can you give people who are having, are having flashbacks or experiencing trauma? As well as talking about the labels, let's being a little bit about how we shouldn't pathologize. Can you just take that a little deeper as well?
0: I usually tell people to celebrate that they have a, a choice to die because it's easier to die than to live. Mm, wow. Very important that you either have something what you don't want or you want something what you don't have. So I am really seeing how people can recognize how you think about your thinking and you had the choice and chose to be for something rather than I don't like that, I don't like that. So one of my patients was in a marathon and she stopped. At a certain point, she didn't think she can go further. And she ran into my office. I did it. I did it. I did it. What you said. And I said, what did I say? I don't know what I said. And you told me, yes, I am. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I am. Yes, I. And I'm here. So say yeses. Yes, I am. I'm one of a kind. There'll never be another me. Many people can do mm. what you can do, but not the way you can do, it. do it. You're mm. unique. You're one of the diamonds. There'll never, ever be another you. You know. So I like the yeses rather than I don't like that. I don't want that. I'm not interested. I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm not interested. What mm. I'm interested in, what kind of life you lead, show me. Because how you show up is indicative of how
1: you are thinking. Show me
0: evidence.
1: Mm. Show me, show me evidence.
0: Yeah. If, you, if you go to a judge, they say, give me evidence. Absolutely. That you committed to someone other than you. Because all we had was each other there, and all we have is each other now. Now, that's incredible. So I, was, mm. I was lucky enough to be interviewed. By Brene Brown. I know, I listened to that interview. Beautiful, wonderful interview. She was, she was so adorable, but she speaks, she speaks English, Texas, and yes. I speak English as an immigrant. Yes. And, and we see the same thing. Both talk about vulnerability and shame and so forth. Yes. But you know, her English and my English, I mean, I was just kind of smiling inside. Yes. And I told her I wanna bake a cake and send her a hungry cake. I remember cake. that, yes. <laughs> the chocolate cake. Chocolate cake. And now we are in touch how we can send her a chocolate cake. But she also promised me when I go to Texas I'm gonna have the best primary ever. Yes. Because I love in Texas. You have good meat in Texas. Yeah.
1: You'll have the good prime rib. I heard that too. My kids love the prime rib as well. So that's yeah, that was a great that was a great interview. I, I heard you on that one as well. It was really wonderful. Summer is just around the corner, and as temperatures start rising, it's vital to stay hydrated. My go-to drink, Huzzah! a bold probiotic seltzer with benefits, with added probiotics and three grams of sugar or less. huzzah! tastes like sunshine in a can. Experience bold flavors that pair perfectly with a picnic or backyard hang. My favorite flavor is strawberry and hibiscus. Ripe strawberries with a tropical backdrop. Just 3 grams of sugar and 15 calories. It pairs well with fresh summer strawberries and cream. Get your cooler ready and stack up on Huzzah probiotic seltzer by using the code Leaf for 20% off your order at drinkhuzzah.com. That's code Dr. Leaf for 20% off at DRINKHUZZAH.COM. The link and details will be in the show notes. Going to doctor appointments are one of those necessary but so annoying things that we just have to do. A friend of mine recently suggested I check out Plush Care and wow, what a game changer. Plush Care's primary care physicians are here for you 7 days a week. To help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to handling ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a plush care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to your local pharmacy as needed. PlushCare accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. PlushCare makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to PlushCare.com slash to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash for a 30-day free trial. PlushCare.com slash The link and details will be in the show notes. And you also spoke about getting highlights together, which was funny. So I thought the blonde highlights, that was a funny little anecdote that you gave over there as well. I loved how you said that so it's the girl, but, talk, the girl talk yeah the girl talk the girl we got to throw but we got to go through I mean, what would we do without our highlights i mean you got to throw a bit of girl talk in there so but just coming full full circle back i would love to just circle back a little bit to the when you were when you were in hospital you mentioned earlier on and you when, when they, you, you were freed and you were, um, and you woke up and you wanted to just die and then you went through you talk about in your books and in your story how you had flashbacks and the trauma that you had gone through because all those experience, i mean you were tortured you were starved you You lost your parents on the first day that you got there and your boyfriend. I mean, all these things, because so many people that listen to this podcast, they are dealing as is everyone. You also make the comment that, you know, people all have trauma and different types of trauma. Obviously, yours was extreme. And a lot of people listening to this have had extreme trauma, too. Can you talk about what you went through? How did you how did your healing journey, just briefly, I know it's a long healing journey, but just to give people a bit of an understanding of how you understand trauma in your own life and what did you do and why shouldn't we pathologize trauma? Why should it be depathologized?
0: When I get interviewed, sometimes I go somewhere and then I go somewhere else, which, which is I did here. No problem. When I started to tell you, I tell you the movie that I watched. With yes, the miracle. Yes. And as she was fetching the water, I had a flashback that when I was liberated, I didn't know how to write. And I Mm. did not know how to write a capital G. Mm. I was practicing. So that's what I wanted to say about that and finish that one. Beautiful. Because I was like a little animal. I didn't know how to even go to the bathroom. Mm. I would go to bed. and sit on somebody else was already there. I know mm. it was so important to really decide everything that it's, I'm not there anymore. I'm here now. I have choices. So we all have had trauma one way or another. So when I became a diplomate in sexology, I remember the woman comes to me and told me that she was very inappropriately, very inappropriately touched. So I'm gonna say about that. But then she said, I don't know how to tell you because you were in Auschwitz. And my answer was, you may have been more in prison than I was, because I knew the enemy. Mm, wow. You, you carried your secret how old are you? She says forty nine. Wow, Now that You want to do change that and and the opposite of depression is expression. Yes, my daughter calls Love it how you say that. The other one is: Are you revolving or are you evolving? So, so good. So that is yeah. My daughter calls EDism. But you see, I just see what I lived, and so. That's my truth. It's not the truth because I wanted to go back to Auschwitz when I began to work with people, and I had real problems with anger. And yeah, I, I wanted to ask sister, you about anger too, yeah. And you told your I, sister. And, I mm-hmm. told Magda, my sister, I want to go back to Auschwitz. I want to go back to that place. I want to go look at that lion in her face. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, you're an idiot. You're a masochist. we go through the same experience entirely different responses mm. so that's that's why the reaction or responding is very, very important so mm. the the young man, when I talked to God and I was told to look yeah. at the bigot in me, yeah I created the atmosphere for a 14-year-old boy who gave up all the freedom to some narcissistic whoever David Koresh was. Yeah. And I told her, please tell me more, because love is time. Mm-hmm. T-I-M-E. Mm-hmm. knew That's never profound. Never knew my history. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. But you see, when I become the mother, I give you But I know as a mother, but I cannot make a man, a boy, into a man. It takes a man. So that's why I worked with him, and I gave him the loving mother, and then I referred him to a man from a 12-step program who has gray hair. I have a great, great respect for the 12-step program because, you know, to— to went to Carl Jung, and Carl Jung told them addiction cannot be treated with psychotherapy because it's a spiritual issue. So the work you see, what you do, it comes from your soul, from your yeah. heart. From your mind, yeah. It's, yeah. And yeah. then you bring in that cortex, you know, that mm. Piaget is the person that I used to yeah. teach the development, ages and yes. stages, took, took a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. okay. And the four-year-old looks at two little things and and say, is it the same? Yes. And then took one of them and made it bigger like a hot dog. And which one is bigger? The four-year-old said, the hot dog, eight-year-old said, it's the same. See, when you're eight years old, mm. seven, eight years old, we be, begin to develop our frontal lobe. Mm-hmm. When, so don't talk to a 40-year-old about cognitive dissonance. No, not <laughs> know what doing, for sure. Absolutely not. The ages. And so it's very good that what you're doing, you really know who you're talking to, and hopefully... As I told you, none of the positive thinking do any good until I tell you tomorrow morning I'm not going to put sugar in my tea. Yeah. Did you
1: got to go back and so what I'm hearing you say is like the example you gave of going back to Auschwitz and to revisit that. You you're telling people you, you've got to address the person at the level they're at, but you've also got, got to go back to the roots and you've got to work through and you've got to reconceptualize that anger and make sure that you've shifted from being a victim into a survivor. So there's a there's
0: a shifting because and that's that's internal work. We vent anger. the... There's a lot of pain under anger. There's a lot going on underneath it all. When people are angry, it's yeah. okay to be angry. It's how you channel it.
1: Yes, because there's
0: a lot of pain there, and people say, "I have an anxiety attack," and this and that. You know what is going on is
1: that an the underlying way you issue.
0: Look at everything, the way you look at everything as an opportunity. And that's how I think of Auschwitz, that I discovered Mm. looking at life from inside out and not wait for someone to make me happy. Mm. No one makes you happy. So I hope you have self-love, self-care. It's not narcissistic.
1: No, I love that. That's beautiful. You've said that. Gosh, this is just, you're just brilliant. I have so many questions, but you know, you hit them all, just about all of them. I wanted to ask you, and you've briefly alluded to this, but you talk about the worst prisons that, I've got my questions down below here, so I'm just reading them from my computer. You talk about the worst prisons are the ones we build for ourselves. And that's such a profoundly important statement. Could you just talk for a moment about that, about these prisons that we build for ourselves? And you gave the analogy of when you were in Auschwitz, you were in a prison, but that actually those guards were more imprisoned than than anyone, than anyone else. And so, and so it's how you look at yourself. So I'd love you to just talk a little about that.
0: Well, in the daytime, I did everything I was told. But they took my blood many, many times and one time I asked, why are you taking my blood? And he spoke to me in German. I understood everything. He says, I'm taking your blood to aid the German soldiers so we can win the war and we can take over the world, especially America. Wow. I say to myself, I couldn't yang my arm away. Maybe I wouldn't be here telling you about it, but I said to myself, what a stupid idiot you are. With my blood, oh. with my blood, I was a ballerina. You're going to win the war? You know, that humor, it's how you respond and wow. not allow. No Nazi can ever murder my spirit. Wow. So look for the Nazi in you. Wow. It's there. It's start mm. us and and us and them. No. No. No, we're all together. So this is a key because you
1: that's how you didn't become a prisoner of your mind. And people become prisoners of their mind because they're not they're getting stuck in the victim mentality. Is that correct? Is that how
0: you or feeling hopeless? You cannot be a victim without a victimizer. So that's why yesterday's victims can easily grow up to be victimizers or or marry one or marry one
1: so did you see then that did you see that those those people taking those Nazis taking your blood were you seeing them as you like you wouldn't allow you didn't allow them to control you yes they took your blood but they didn't take your your mind you still felt you felt still kept your control inside of you is that how you manage that situation so what do you mean by is that what you mean
0: by not being a prisoner
1: of your mind
0: you have so much brilliant answers yes it means that they could do many many things but never murder my spirit that i bring it so that's how they were the prisoners not me
1: Love it. Then you make another statement that I found fascinating. Everything you say is is fascinating, brilliant, and profound. And everyone needs to read your book and listen to you because you really teach what it means to be human. I just have to honor you for that. So the last, in respect for your time, and you've been so generous with your time. The last thing I want to say is, you make a comment that if you still have to prove yourself to someone, let me get the exact wording. If you still have to prove yourself to someone, you are still controlled. What is the? Let me find the exact. Oh, if you have some something to prove you are still a prisoner and to live in reaction to someone your whole life makes you a prisoner that was that's just so profound and i think people live like very, that
0: yeah very very quickly when you're born i'm talking to my grandson right now when you're born then i'm the woman who holds you see yeah i am the woman who holds you that's a relationship which is very different from a father and a son. The son looks at that in a more competitive way and decides, I want to be just like him, or I want to be everything he's not. And I know that happened because his father got the Nobel Prize in economics, and that was a very hard act to follow.
1: And he wanted to
0: be an actor. Done. Okay, so then the son grows up and he either becomes just like the father or he wants to prove something that he's going to do everything that he's not his father. And while you want to prove something, you're still a prisoner. So good. That's such a profound insight that we can look at ourselves because we've
1: spoken a lot here today about being, you know, the the physical imprisonment that you had in Auschwitz. You have translated that into how as humans we can be imprisoned. All these terrible events and circumstances can happen. But if we understand our mind and how we have choice, we don't have to be prisoners of our own mind. And then that's how we can actually transition through the sufferings of life. If that's what I'm hearing you say.
0: It is so wonderful. I ask fathers especially, what happens when you go to work and your child is still asleep? And what happens when you come back, your child is already asleep? Mm. And then you work so hard so you can send your child to MIT that you don't know. You don't even know your child. So you have a teenager you know, who's ready to go to college too? Just dump him in a truck or go fishing, and then tell your son when I was in your age. Make it up. I was so afraid of the teacher. I thought I was gonna pee in my pants. So the son would look at dad. Yeah. Oh, he, he's oh human. Oh my God! I'm not, <laughs> I'm not such a weirdo. I yeah. yeah and and develop. An atmosphere that the father and a son could truly get to know each other. I think we have a lot of fear, and yeah. I've never seen love coming out of fear. Mm-mm. Cannot coexist. Fear of yeah, love does not coexist. No, they mind. cannot. No, I agree with you no, there not totally. Born with fear. Not born with fear, and you don't need years and years of therapy. You put them down from the least anxiety producing to the most anxiety producing. So if I'm going to work with you, and if you're afraid of heights, believe me, I'm not going to put you to the Empire State Building. I'm going to probably tell you to go home and sit on a table. And then maybe I take you to an elevator that, that you gradually go from the least anxiety experience. producing. I Could not tell you how much I enjoyed our conversation. Oh,
1: I can't tell you enough. It's just you you profound, you're beautiful inside and out, and you teach the world what it means to be human. And I want to thank you and I want to honor you. And as I yeah. said in the beginning, I hope that when I'm your age, I'm impacting the world like you're impacting the world. And you, you just, you're just you profound and you're an icon and I honor you. And thank you for all the beautiful lessons you, you have that you teach us. Thank you for sharing your time with me and my viewers and listeners today.
0: I thank you so much.
1: Just think young and live in the present. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It's been beautiful and wonderful. Thank you, too. God bless you. Thank you, and you. you, too. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.